This episode of the Beyond the Physics podcast is brought to you by you. So if you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a rating and review and consider subscribing at patreon.com forward slash beyond the physics. Also, quick announcement, Beyond the Physics has set up a YouTube channel. If you'd like to follow us, a link will be provided in the show notes. This is Beyond the Physics. Alright, hi everyone and welcome to Beyond the Physics. This is Joseph Guzman. So we got a bit of an atypical episode for you. And that's in a few different ways. Uh, The first is that it's just going to be me tonight. Uh, Irene will be back for future podcasts, right? So don't you fret. If you need your Irene time, uh, she's still part of the team. And we'll be back shortly. Um... The second way that this is probably going to be atypical of most episodes is that it's going to be shorter, probably considerably shorter. Um, I'm just planning on monologuing. Uh, I don't have a script. I don't have in-depth notes like I usually do. Uh, All I have is some brief bullet points of like major beats that I want to hit on today's episode. So it might be a little bit more loose than you're used to, but hopefully that's okay. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to be giving y'all some homework, I guess you could say, some things that I've learned from simply watching TV, but uh, I thought it was a pretty powerful technique, uh, something that I just naturally applied and came up with on my own and uh yeah so um i'll get into more detail about that in a second but first i figure uh we should take a couple minutes to catch up on what i've been up to and why i haven't recorded a podcast and you know that kind of stuff just real quick um so it's been a while since we've recorded a podcast i think it's been about a year um since we last left off you know we recorded some stuff with the eigen bros um but since then the major things that have happened for me in the program uh i've passed the qualification exam so for those of you who don't recall um you know i i am in a phd physics program and most uh, PhD programs require you to pass a written exam. And the way my school has it set up is, you know, there's four different tests that covers all of physics. You know, you have classical mechanics, thermodynamics and statistical mechanics, electricity and magnetism, and quantum mechanics. And so last we last uh, left off, you know, I was probably, I don't exactly recall I was probably getting ready to take it for the first time and uh, so I passed half of the exams that first go around and then I think the second the second exam was on my birthday uh, in December and I ended up passing the other two on my second attempt so I had one attempt to spare Um, so anyways that's a big relief you know, uh, I was really convinced. I truly did not believe that I would have passed that test, but I did. So I surprised myself and that's great news. Um, and so the thing that happened immediately after that is after, you know, passing the quals that, um, uh, immediately started the, the process for what we call the prospectus, you know, Again, most PhD programs not only require a written exam, but they often have an oral exam as well. And so for our oral exam, basically we call it the prospectus, and you're supposed to present the idea for your PhD, right? Like what's your proposed PhD dissertation? 
uh, can you get it done in a few years or whatever? And, uh, you know, whether, what are the details of your plan? You know, so that's what the prospectus is. And I was working really hard to try to finish that part, uh, to finish my prospectus. Um, and I kind of put a lot of my life on hold for that because it seemed like a pretty intense thing. And I, I was, um, really looking forward to having that done. And once you successfully defend your prospectus, you're, um, what's known as a PhD candidate. And, you know, then the way people communicate about it, it's a little bit easier of a road, uh, than when you first start graduate school. So, um, I thought, let me just knock this out of the way and then hopefully I'll have more space to do things like record podcasts and, you know, do some more of the things that, you know, I like doing. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's been some traumatic shit that has fallen out of this process of doing the prospectus, uh, things that I did not expect. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to go into those details, um, as much as I want to, <laughs> um, but we will be doing a podcast about that, uh, soon. Right. But so anyways, you know, I was getting close to present, so maybe soon I'll be doing the prospectus. Who knows what the fuck will happen? Um, yeah, it's a pretty chaotic time. Right, so I envisioned recording this podcast in an entirely different mental space. Um, yeah, so this thing that's come up really takes up a lot of my processing and, you know, puts a whole new twist on, you know, my plan of recording this thing that seems like totally unrelated. But um, I still think it's valuable. I think it could be good for me to recap some of these things and... Uh, you know, kind of distract myself from that whole situation. So anyways, yeah, so I passed the quals. I'm, you know, working on my prospectus, trying to become a PhD candidate. You know, things were progressing along at a pretty quick pace. And uh, there's been a lot of shit that's happened in between. It's been a really crazy year. It's been very difficult. So many things. Um, And again, we'll probably devote a whole podcast to unraveling more details around that um, because uh, yeah some things have happened that have that have drastically changed our lives probably forever so um, but that's not the point of this podcast I just wanted to briefly tell you what's up and you know why I haven't checked in and let you know I haven't forgotten about you okay um, cool So if that's enough chit-chat out of the way, you know, why don't we start talking about today's episode, right? So you've probably seen the title, How Moon Knight Changed My Life, right? And that's not me trying to be clickbaity, excuse me, or anything, but um, I feel like it genuinely has changed my life. I've learned so much about myself through this exercise, um... And yeah, I thought it might be valuable for you guys to to hear about it. You know, I've talked about it a lot already. Um, you know, I talked about it with my therapist, I talked about it with my family, with my friends, with Irene. And uh, yeah, so I have a lot of uh, experience around talking about this thing. And so that's why I guess I feel a little bit more comfortable just winging it and just, you know, kind of doing this a little bit looser. But, so, um, before I go straight into the lessons and, you know, uh, how to apply this, I think y'all will need some context. So, um, if you haven't seen the show Moon Knight, it's on Disney+, Plus. Um, you know, I'm going to try to avoid talking about that many specific things that happen in the show, because that's not really... Um, while it did provide, uh, while the show was ultimately the thing that got me to think deeply about myself and get these insights, 
you know, a lot of the details around the show aren't necessary to extract the value out of what I'm trying to tell you about. But there are some basic fundamentals that you should know about so that we can all get on the same page. So in general, there won't be that many spoilers, but that being said, if you want to watch the show, um, I can totally recommend it. So uh, now's a good time to pause it, go watch the show, and then come back if you'd like. Okay, so now that we're all here and agreed to go for the long haul. um, So I watched... Moon Knight not long after it came out and I believe that was in 2022 so just a year ago um it naturally made me come to important realizations about who I am who I want to be and these insights I gained through watching the show um really provided a sense of clarity of growth of understanding it made me feel uh, more confident about who, um, about what's important to me, and feel a little bit more self-assured and empowered in how I move through the world. Right? If um, you're making decisions and you don't, and you haven't really paused to evaluate, like who are you, like what do you want in life, like what motivates you and why, um, it can be kind of debilitating, can be kind of confusing and yeah, you can feel lost in terms of what to do next. So anyways, um, that's kind of how this exercise has changed me. The context for the show now is that um, the basic thing that you should know is that in Moon Knight, the protagonist has dissociative identity disorder or some version of it, uh, DID for short. And the first personality that we're introduced to, uh, his name is Stephen, right? So Stephen works at the History Museum. He comes across as a generally sensitive and caring and shy person You know, you see him call his mother, he goes on a date, and, you know, in general, he seems pretty meek, but, you know, intelligent and and an emotional being. Um, Later, we meet his other persona, who goes by the name Mark. So Mark is kind of almost the opposite, in that Mark is a stoic, deadly mercenary. You know, Mark is a very capable person, but he's kind of emotionally stunted, right? So you can see that um, he has an estranged wife, and they communicate very poorly, and, you know, she uh, describes how he's not very emotionally available, very much not Stephen, and why, ironically, she finds Stephen much more attractive than than Mark in the show. Um... But so Mark, canonically, given his skill set, he's the one that is the Moon Knight. He's the one that's the superhero, right? Because he's the the mercenary that knows all the combat skills and is, you know, can push aside his feelings and remain uh, stoic in the face of these adversities or whatever. So, um, that's... Moon Knight, there's Mark and Steven. Mark is very serious and stern. And Steven is, you know, very, you know, vulnerable, you know, emotional and sensitive. So, to understand the connections that I'm about to make, I think I should provide you some context about what was going on in my life, where I was when I was watching this show, um, and how I was able to make the connections that I did. And then maybe uh, you could start trying to consider doing the same for yourself. Right, so uh, while I was watching Moon Knight, I was in the middle of a crisis of my own. Right, so I, you know, I briefly even mentioned this in the introduction, excuse me. um, 
is that, you know, I've been in graduate school for, you know, four plus years at this point when I'm watching the show. And at this time, I was seriously considering quitting the program. Uh, one problem was that I was feeling very stuck around this decision. You know, I was feeling perhaps indecisive is one way you could uh, describe it, but it felt stronger than that. You know, um, I had done so much processing around, you know, why the program wasn't serving me, you know, like, what did I want to do afterwards? Did, did I really need this degree? It seems like for my goals, like, I don't know why I need a PhD. Um, the program just in general feels like a pretty toxic environment that you know even outside of my own internal issues like externally the program and just be, being in graduate school in general and in the academic culture i think is also just kind of fucked up <laughs> like there's so much exploitation uh you get such little respect um you know I've experienced abuse, um, emotional abuse, not physical, to be clear, emotional abuse by my supervisors. Um, like, is it, is it worth it? Like what? Anyway, so my point is, is like, I had done all this processing, I identified all these ways that this program was like bad for me, you know, and all these reasons that you know, even now seem like very valid, um, valid reasons for leaving the program. N the problem was, is no matter how much processing I would do around the situation, I couldn't bring myself to finally commit the deed and leave the program. Like I'd make a pros and cons list and the cons list would be a mile long and the pros would be like, you know, a few bullets but it didn't matter, right? It's like, it, it kind of felt as though my mind wanted one thing, but my body wanted another. It's like I was trapped inside of my body. You know, I, I was an onlooker onto this, like, catastrophe that was unfolding before my eyes. You know, like, one way I've described it in the past is, like, it felt like my body was on railroad tracks and, you know, I just have to watch in horror as it is going to continue going through this PhD program, whether I like it or not. You know, so that was a very bizarre experience to be in. You know, so it's like, that's, that's the level of stuckness that I'm talking about. Like when I'm saying I'm stuck, it's like, Literally, I, I felt like I didn't have control over my body or, you know, it was just, um, it's like, it's an experience that I haven't really felt before, but maybe that sounds a little less crazy than <laughs> it feels right now. Um, but anyway, so, so some more context around like, you know, I was, I was pausing to consider quitting the program. You know, th there was obviously some other like major things going on at the time that led to this decision. One was the qualification exam, right? Um, a lot of my closest friends had been kicked out of the program because they hadn't passed the test. Um, in a, in a time manner that seemed appropriate to the department, right? And, you know, when I try to evaluate, evaluate my skills, I felt like, you know, my I was on a level that was similar to my closest friends and they got kicked out, you know? So what are the odds that I'm gonna pass, you know? I felt a lot of anxiety around that. Um, the other thing going on obviously was COVID, right? So, um, for all the bad COVID brought into the world, 
one of the good things, I guess you could say, is that it gave me and the world a moment to pause and reflect uh, on what is going on in their life, right? It, it, it gave me a moment to pause and, and it gave me the space to think about like, wait, you know, what am I doing here? Like, wh- why, why am I going through this? You know, like, is this really necessary? Do I need this PhD? Um, so yeah, COVID definitely provided the space to do that. And, you know, um, people around me, other graduate students, I heard about, you know, many other students taking a break and, you know, I, I looked to their example and I thought that that was, you know, maybe not such a bad idea. Um, I mean, the other thing I'd like to acknowledge about, you know, why I was trying to leave while I was considering to leaving the program was, uh, I was not very happy, but in a way that it felt clear that it was the source of my unhappiness, right? Like, um, in one of my previous updates around like what I was doing around the break is I, I just, you know, started trying to take care of my body and stuff and, you know, whatever. And, um, I'll probably go into more details about that soon, but, um, basically it, it's just, it was clear to me that the work being in the PhD program was making me miserable, right? And I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that experience, um, like having a job that they don't like very much. Um, and just doing it to support the ones that they care about, um, or just in general being, feeling stuck in, you know, a situation that doesn't bring them much joy, you know, feeling like they're trapped for whatever reason, you know, that's kind of where I was at and I was trying to evaluate whether I really was stuck, you know, can, can I just leave. I mean, there's a bit of the sunk cost fallacy that goes into it. And like, I've already gotten so far, like it would be a waste to, you know, throw that away. Um, anyways, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rambling. So, um, so let's, let's get it back on track. So, um, basically, you know, I was feeling burnt out, you know, at the time. And the middle option was appear, uh, was seeming more and more appealing to me in the sense of taking a break, but not fully stepping out of the program, you know? So in taking a break, my reasoning was that, you know, I can easily recognize that I'm burnt out. I'm overworked. Um, and I wondered if I had some more space to like take care of myself and to rejuvenate and recharge my batteries, like would a love of physics return? Would a new perspective be instilled within me to like find more gratitude and joy in the work that I was doing as a result of recharging my batteries and hopefully no longer being burnt out? So as a result, I decided to take this break and try to be really mindful of like, okay, how do I feel about going back now that I'm here? You know, getting an outside perspective on the situation. Um, So anyways, this is where I am at when I'm watching Moon Knight. You know, I'm really in this like very like heady internal space, you know, so kind of explains why I developed the exercise I did, right? Like I'm, I'm going to a lot of therapy at this moment. I'm trying to take care of my body. I'm doing all of this emotional processing, you know, trying to figure out like who I am and what I want. And do I, should I stay in this program? Should I stay or should I go now? Right. And, uh, and then I start watching Moon Knight. So as I'm watching Moon Knight and I see, you know, Mark and Steven, you know, they're constantly in conflict, right? They have, they're very different 
uh, personalities, I find myself naturally thinking like, who's my Mark and who's my Steven? And this is the exercise that I recommend for all of you listening at this moment is to try to evaluate like whether you have similar personas as Mark or Steven, um, you know, they could be drastically different, right? They don't have to be as masculine, um, or whatever, but like, um, yeah, I found it pretty straightforward to identify aspects within myself that much more closely aligned with Mark and then aspects within myself that much more aligned with Steven, right? So let me try to outline how I go about defining my Mark and my Steven. Um, yeah, so this is one thing that I'm, I'm realizing is going to be confusing is that from now on, when I talk about Mark or Steven, I'm going to be referring to my, my Mark and my Steven who are not the same as the characters on the show, right? Unless I say otherwise, you know, um, and just to be clear, you know, I don't think I have uh, dissociative identity disorder. I mean, you're talking to Joe right now. You're not talking to Mark or Steven or whatever. Um, this is just a mental exercise to try to figure out aspects of my personality, right? So anyways, um, yeah, let's talk about Mark, where he comes from. So growing up, I had defined my self-worth through my work. Um, you know, I had singularly devoted myself to busting my ass off, you know, basically since high school and not really taking a break aside from the one I just mentioned, you know, a few, like a year ago. Um, you know, in probably, yeah, in high school and undergrad, I would neglect my body frequently for the sake of work. You know, I would work 15 hours a day. I would sleep five, six hours every day for years. Um, yeah, so this this is where Mark started to come into existence. This is where he becomes fully instantiated as his own entity, as a defining aspect of who I am. So Mark was capable of working beyond his limits, right? Uh, many people, when they get this type of signal that they're neglecting their body, very reasonably probably take that as a signal to stop. But Mark was capable of pushing past those signals. Um, and, you know, naturally he was very high achieving, right? He thought that security and stability were the most important things in life and that he wouldn't be safe until he got the next achievement. And then once you get the next achievement, you know, you're not safe until you get the next achievement, right? It's like, um, you know, I have a master's degree in physics and yet uh, I still don't feel safe. You know, this comes from... Mark. Uh, Mark strives to be the perfect person, right? He He's not satisfied with stagnation. You could almost say that he's obsessed with personal growth. Um, so you can, you could probably guess now how Mark viewed the graduate program and the prospect of getting a PhD. This is something that was absolutely necessary. You know, or Mark or I, I'm not really sure how to talk about this stuff. It's kind of weird, but, you know, or I would risk being a failure. The outcome of not getting the PhD would get catastrophized, right? It would be like I would end up homeless without the external validation of this piece of paper of the PhD yeah, I would end up homeless with no one who cared for me. Yeah, the worst, <laughs> you know, the worst possible future. Uh, that's what 
Mark viewed as, you know, inevitable if you were to relax. But, you know, on 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 one side, this fear and anxiety was adaptive in some sense, right? It it was motivating. It would push me to work harder and to go farther than many of the peers, many of my peers around me. So this is how Mark weaponizes fear and anxiety to become the superhero, to become Moon Knight, right? Through being, having so much discomfort in sitting with the fear and anxiety of being a failure, he can do superhuman things, right? He can neglect his body. He can work harder and longer than many people around him. And that propelled him to, you know, a certain level of success. However, graduate school was the first time that Mark had begun to face challenges that he couldn't simply outwork. You know, I would pull similar tactics of pushing my body past its limits, of, you know, not sleeping much, of working insane hours, of even new things of, like, not eating much. You know, cutting back time on eating, you know, lunch or dinner to do more work. Um, And it didn't matter. You know, no matter how hard I or Mark worked, didn't matter. Mark still experienced failure, especially at the beginning of the graduate school program. But even now, I constantly feel like no matter how hard I try, I still am not living up to expectations and failing um, in this program, you know? And yeah, anyways, I'll, I'll just pause, take a moment to reflect that a lot of that is internal work of my own expectations, but now I'm seeing in many ways in which the external world is, you know, judging and having their own expectations and saying that you're a failure as well. Right. And so that's tough to sit with. Um, but anyways, so if the, the, the natural question that comes up is if Mark was willing to sacrifice literally everything for success, but then he still fails. Why does he exist? What, what is the point of that sacrifice? If you're not going to get the, the one thing that you're, you're striving for, right? Like you're going to give up your body and your mind. You're going to go crazy. Um, to fail in graduate school, like, what's the point in that? You know, that just seems like nonsense. Um, so yeah, here's the problem with identifying your your worth through your work, right? Who do you become without it? You know, um, so I sat in this liminal space of like who am I, right? Like I thought I was the person that, you know, worked hard, was, you know, resilient and overcame adversity, whatever, you know? But, uh, yeah, so I continued on this path, sacrificing everything to barely scrape by for years. But um, it's this discomfort that led to this identity work at the end of the day, I would say is like to avoid the discomfort of being lost without success. I began to try to figure out like, okay, well, who am I? Like, who do I want to be? Like if, if I'm not my work, cause I don't want to be a failure, <laughs> then who, who am I really? So, at the time of my break, this is when a new identity began to crystallize and clash with Mark. This is where Stephen came into existence, or became 
a more fully fledged part of my persona, I guess you could say. You know, so I realized how fickle my previous identity was. I tried to explore like other role models in my life, like what examples do I have in the world to try to figure out like who I am or who I want to be, like what does that question even mean? And so I just looked out into the world and I asked myself the questions like, who are the people that I respect most and why? You know, I found that the people I respected most were the people that were patient, that um, displayed compassion and empathy and all these, you know, quote unquote soft skills. Um, Those are the things that I really appreciated in a human being more so than any ability in physics or any other skill for that matter, you know, um, those were the qualities that I valued the most. And that was something I learned about myself. So, so Steven was more concerned with emotional intelligence, I guess you can say. You know, he, he viewed work as an ends to finding meaning, right? So you should uh, work on things that give your life meaning and that you think are important and provide joy and so on. He viewed happiness as success, not external validation. He was unafraid to be vulnerable or to speak truth to power. He wanted to uplift everyone around him. He valued creativity, stories, art, podcasts like this. Steven was the person that I hadn't realized is who I was working to become all along. So once I had defined these aspects within myself, it became immediately clear why I felt stuck. Right, Mark and Stephen, my Mark and my Stephen, have completely opposite views of how to handle the PhD program. <clears throat> so, yeah, let me just pause to highlight how this could be helpful, I guess, is like, you know, I, f- I was feeling really confused around this time. Like, why if everything's so... <laughs> shitty in this program why am i still here why am i doing this to myself Uh, why can't i just leave i guess there was a lot of judgment around you know around myself and like what i knew to be the right decision but you know for some reason i couldn't bring myself to do it and so this show of moon Knight, i found it really cathartic in doing this exercise of defining my mark and my steven I got to give myself more acceptance around, you know, Mark believes these things because, you know, that's how he grew up. These things carried on from when I was a kid. And, you know, it makes perfect sense that Mark would believe these things and, you know, and so on. So anyways, um, in other words, like Moon Knight had helped me identify these core aspects of my identity and more clearly view the conflict that was within myself. All right, Joe from the future here. I just wanted to chime in real quick at this point because now I've talked about um, some of the benefits of highlighting these different personas and how it's been useful for me. Um, I have a family member who has gone through a type of psychotherapy called internal family systems. And as they were going through it, it struck me as like very similar to this exercise that I've been highlighting throughout this episode, you know, without professional guidance or anything. So anyways, if this exercise struck you as interesting, um, there's a quick recommendation for you if you want to go down further this rabbit hole um, to consider checking out internal family systems. I'll leave a link that kind of defines it and stuff like that down below in the show notes. But yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Let's get back to the show. You know, Mark and Steven have exactly different views of how to handle graduate school. 
you know, if it's not clear, let me just outline, you know, Mark viewed leaving graduate school as this unacceptable failure. You know, if you leave the physics program, you are going to end up homeless and alone and no one's going to love you and you need these external validation, you know, these external tokens of success. Whereas Steven was terrified that we would continue in the program no matter the cost, right? So like one thought that occurred to me when I was taking this break that I found really bizarre was like, I noticed within myself that I was terrified of passing the quals, the qualification exam. Of actually passing it somehow felt more anxiety producing than just failing it. Cause like if I fail it, then it's just like, it's over. I'm done. You know, I don't have to torture myself with this decision anymore, but passing it, you know, then I guess you could say Steven was concerned that this would give Mark an excuse to come back into the fold, right? We would need, we would need to use Mark's skills again to survive in this graduate school program. And so Mark would put Steven back into the coffin. Uh, that's an expression that I'm using from the show. Cause uh, I believe they, they literally tried to do that to each other um, in the show. But anyway, so Steven's concern was that we would begin to compromise on the values that we were working so hard to embody at this moment. Like, you know, I was trying to develop all these new habits and routines around taking care of my body and going to therapy and, you know, doing all this internal work and understanding myself and, you know, um, trying to be more empathetic and compassionate and patient with all the people around me. Um, that some of those things would begin to slip away to make space for Mark and his need for success. And yeah, so Stephen was terrified of that. So, uh, you know, Stephen was finally given the space to exist during this break. You know, a chink had shown in Mark's armor. You know, Mark wasn't perfect. And so Stephen came to fill the void. But, you know, if we're going to continue in this program, how much space is there really for Stephen? You know, this is a, a point from my therapist to give, give her credit. Um, is that Mark is the one that is extremely well-resourced in the world. To explain what that means is, you know, the graduate program or society in general encourages Mark to exist, whereas they shun Stephen. Some reasons why this would be is like, you know, obviously my advisors professors, you know, people who I work for would be more than happy to take advantage of Mark's willingness to sacrifice everything for them. And all they have to give him in exchange is some tokens of success. And not even that sometimes, right? Uh, and, you know, Stephen's tendency to speak truth to power, to be vulnerable, to prioritize his well-being and to take space when, you know, he felt it was necessary for, you know, his body and his mind. These are things that are not encouraged pretty much in any workplace in the world at the moment. And, you know, that should tell you some things about the state of the world about, you know, that's fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, regardless of you know, whether it's right or wrong, the reality is, you know, that's just the situation is that Mark is the one that, you know, people want because he's more productive. So as a result, Stephen is the one that needs to fight to survive, to exist in the graduate program as Stephen, 
as the person I want to become, it's going to be exhausting, right? Having to uphold these certain values to be mindful of, mindfully aware of everything that's going on around the program and how it's not meeting these needs and how I have to fight to take space for my body and my mind. That is exhausting. It's a lot easier to just, in some ways, it's a lot easier to just be Mark and, you know, take the abuse and go on being, you know, a stoic robot and get the job done. You know, that's kind of what they expect out of you. At least that's my impression of my graduate school program. So, you know, being Steven in grad school is just going to be much more difficult. You know, so... uh, Anyways, this is kind of some of the realizations that I came to through watching Moon Knight. I came to identify who is my Mark, who is my Steven, what are their motivations, why are their motivations that... You know, like, how can I take the skills and find the strengths in both of them and bring them closer to unity, right? And, you know, accept the the quote-unquote weaknesses of Mark and of Stephen to give them validation around these things, to not be so harsh in my judgments of Mark or of Stephen. You know, these things I found profoundly changed my perspective of who I was. It provided so much clarity of who I wanted to be. And like I said, it it really... I think it, to this day, I think it helps me figure out how I want to navigate my day-to-day existence, you know? How do I be more authentic and engage in every situation with integrity, right? Knowing that, you know, Stephen has these values, you know, and Mark has these values, yeah. So, yeah, that's currently what I'm working on now is like, you know, uh, ultimately, I've decided to stay in the program, and I've passed the qualification exam. You know, so Stephen's fear didn't come to fruition. He's not back in the coffin. But, you know, in some sense, like with the prospectus and putting everything on hold, that is some tactics that Mark would pull, you know. Um, but anyways, I, Stephen still exists, right? So... I've been working on bringing them closer to integration, which I think is the healthier place to be. Um, So that's basically what I had to share about my experience of watching Moon Knight, of like, who's my Mark? Who's my Steven? So my homework for all of you listening, if you're still listening to this point, is to, yeah, consider who's your Mark, who's your Steven, and then if you haven't already, you know, going to the deeper, more fundamental questions around that of, like, who am I, who do I want to be, you know, why do I want to be that person? And, yeah, hopefully that helps you be a more authentic version of yourself. Um, One last benefit that I want to highlight that has come out of this is that having defined these two dominant personas within myself, you know, my Mark and my Steven, you know, like I said, you're not talking to Mark or Steven, right? It This exercise helped me gain distance 
on these stories that I was telling myself. You know, that like, you know, I would think something like, well, Mark, you know, wants this. Steven wants this. So what does Joe want? You know, what what is Joe going to do with that information? Right. And from that perspective, I find it's a lot easier to break some of that stuckness. Right. To like almost be, you know, an outside observer to yourself, which again is a bizarre experience, but um, yeah, strangely empowering. So, um, anyways, uh, that's what I got for you guys. Uh, hopefully that was interesting, entertaining. You know, I feel a little bit nervous about like this whole just winging it thing. You know, I, I, you know, I worry if I'm just rambling too much and it's not clear, but, um, yeah. Anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, you know. Give us a follow or a rating. I think that stuff would really help. Um, I guess before I go, you know, maybe I'll just outline some of the things in the pipeline. You know, like I said, uh, we're probably going to do a podcast about this traumatic shit that I was referencing earlier. That could be two podcasts. And we have some exciting things planned for that. <laughs> some things I'm, I'm frankly nervous about, but... Um, I'm hopeful that it will work out, uh, work out well and that y'all will enjoy that. Um, so yeah, two podcasts around this, uh, you know, this traumatic shit. And then, uh, you know, like I said, we probably want to do an update on what's been going on. There's been a lot of stuff that's been just absolutely crazy. It's been a very hard year. Um, and then there are other, um, uh, people that I want to interview for the podcast. There's quite a few people that are actually leaving the program. And so those things are time sensitive. So if I'm going to talk to them, you know, I got to talk to them soon. So anyways, all that being said, that just means I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll be getting more content out to you. I won't make any promises, but you know, thank you for so much for listening to this point. Um, I really miss, you know, making these podcasts. And yeah, if you listen this far, then heck, dude. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all. So with that, I'll let y'all go. And uh, I'll see you on the next podcast. Bye, guys.